a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista, Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this week, as you would expect, we're recording this live from COP26 in Glasgow. The man front and centre of this podcast is, of course, the environmentalist and green entrepreneur, Dale Vince. Morning to you, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. How's things? It's good. You've had a busy week, haven't you? I thought I spotted you in that presidential cavalcade at one point. Was that you in the second car? I don't think so. <laughs> that, Biden, that was me and cuffs. Biden, yeah, back in the old days, eh? Uh, Biden might have given you a lift, perhaps, as he was passing by, maybe, in his, one of his 85 cars. Yeah, no, I haven't seen any of that stuff. I've done an awful lot of walking, though. Uh, you know, there's a lot of venues around Glasgow for different events and stuff. And uh, yeah, I've been clocking up uh, tens of thousands of steps a day, just moving about the place. But lots of opportunities to communicate, which has been great, and take part in stuff, panels, interviews, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm glad I'm here. Absolutely, uh, and for those who are regular listeners to this, if if you hear anything that's a bit echoey on the line, it's because you know Dale is remotely in Glasgow recording this. Um, so you could be in a, I don't know, you could be in a tunnel with Swampy, you could be on a podium with Greta, you could be sitting there with the United Nations. It's been that kind of week, though, hasn't it? Because you you have, as you rightly say. That we see the images on the TV of COP26 and the, uh, the the world leaders giving their speeches, but of course that's just one venue of many. Yeah, so many within the event itself. There are lots of venues. I mean, it's a huge setup. Yeah. But uh, around the city of Glasgow, many, many more venues. You know, uh, like the the Times are taking over a pub. Uh, for example, I've been there a couple of times to do some live radio and the images venues everywhere. Really, that's awesome. Um, which is fun. Yeah, and, and and some big announcements. I mean, let, let's talk through some of these as to how authentic you think they are, because, of course, the, the detail is usually in the small print, and we hear world leaders and politicians and Boris Johnson uh, announce stuff, and then you, you, you look at the, the kind of the, the subsequent detail of those announcements and that they're not always what they appear. But certainly on the face of it, 40 countries pledging to ditch coal. That's big. Yeah, on the face of it is nails it really in. So look, it is 40 countries. They are saying they'll ditch coal, but they're going to do it somewhere between 2030 and 2040. Oh, and by the way, it's not legally binding. Actually, it's rubbish. You know, we need we need much better than that. Um, and, and of course, it flies in the face of what we're doing here in Britain. How can Boris Johnson allow the new coal mine in Cumbria to still go ahead after the UK just signed up to this declaration as the host country of COP26? How can we do that? His his answer to that, of course, uh, he, he did get a bit of a grilling from the BBC chap. I noticed not not unreasonably on this this point. And strangely, Johnson didn't come back with the usual reply, which is actually this is coking. This is for steel. It's not for you know to put on people's fires and stuff like that. Is that any kind of defence? No, I don't think that it is. It's coal, and you know, and it's possible to make steel in other ways. Green steel exists in the world now. That is steel made without coking coal. Um, so, you know, I mean, coal is coal. I don't think it matters what you do with it. 
what we have to do is leave it in the ground, stop using it. And, we, you know, we can't wait until the 2030s to get traction on this. And especially in the developing world, you know, where we can afford alternatives and we've already industrialized, you know, our economies. You know, we've got to take the lead. And blimey, Britain should be taking the lead right now as the host nation of COP26, shouldn't we? So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, I and I think we can hear a little bit of it here as well, because Greta Thunberg clearly shared your scepticism or cynicism over what is happening when she did an impromptu sing-song in the street. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. So I think she's echoing there, Dale. Stick your climate crisis up your ass. I mean, a, a lot of climate deniers jumped on this and went, oh, look, finally, Greta's saying something we agree with. But actually what she was saying is this doesn't go far enough. Yeah, no, <laughs> I missed that. I mean, I didn't get to see it, but, um, I mean, it's amusing. Last time I heard that song, the version was being sung by FGR fans at Carlisle saying you can stick your tyres up your ass. I mean, that was, <laughs> there you go. Well, I guess it's a oh, flexible song. All manner of anal applications from that song, I think we can say. Uh, it's universally applicable, isn't it, that, that little lyric? Absolutely right. Uh, but there is that sense. I mean, India promising, you know, net zero by 2070. That's half a century away, for goodness sake. I mean, the, the only thing that comes near that for fatuousness, let's say, on the fatuous ometer, is Australia's net, net zero plan. Uh, that might have been by 2050, but it doesn't matter because they're never going to hit it because 30% of their emission cuts are coming from technology that doesn't exist, and they're not going to give up coal. And it's interesting that you mentioned... What kind of plans that? Yeah, not being legally binding. I was I, I saw a, a piece, I think it might have been on Channel 4, where they went to Texas, of all places, as you can imagine. Uh, and this idea of, you know, oil and no uh, fossil fuels and the like, I mean, it just it's not even an issue with some people there. That's, this is, as far as they're concerned, this is not going to happen. And uh, federal government will not be able to mandate the state government to change that. So, I mean, what what, what do we take from all of this then? Has, has COP26 been a waste of time? I was imagining just there that it became like the gun rights issue in America. Do you know what I mean? Like there's an NRA of fossil fuels and, and you have Americans saying you won't take our fossil fuels from us. You know, it's a first or second amendment right or something like that. Yeah. It might turn into that. But yeah, you, you need Charlton Heston with his dead hand, but unfortunately he's dead. So he's... Uh, <laughs> He's, he's not going to be saying that anytime soon. He's UK got two firms, dead hands now, then. <laughs> yes, and, and the rest of him. Uh, UK firms will be forced to show how they will reach net zero. Did you see this headline? I, w- I wonder, you know, precisely, ha- again, what the implications are if you don't reach net zero. It's all very well saying most big UK firms and financial institutions will be forced to show how they intend to hit the climate change targets. These are treasury proposals. Uh, by 2023 but i mean saying it and doing it again two different things yeah the key is in the in the description there that these firms are going to be forced to show how they'll hit net zero but they aren't being forced to hit net zero or make any progress at all and it only applies to those listed on the stock exchange in london and okay they're big companies all right but you know that's not like the whole world of companies in britain is it so that you know they're probably missing 80 80% 80% of the companies in our country. And, and at the same time, Richard Sunak announced that uh, it was another world-leading measure from Britain because we now had a financial centre that was zero carbon aligned. And you think, oh my God, our politicians are running around making empty pledges and claiming empty plaudits rather than actually getting on and doing anything. Yeah. I mean, and the thing doesn't even kick in until the end of 2023. I mean, yeah, no rush, guys. 
<laughs> well, that's the bit. It's again all of these curious years that are mentioned. 2023 for that bit, 2030 for something, 2040, 2050, 2060, back to India's pledge, 2070, half a century away. The last time I looked, according to all, uh, I mean, absolutely all predictions, I mean, we we don't really have that. We don't have half a century, right? No, we've got 10 years to make a 50% carbon emissions. That's the science. Uh, And if we don't do that, then we'll have... Uh, you know, a, a much worse version of uh, the climate crisis than uh, than we would otherwise. You know, and of course, we're already seeing that in uh, in terms of climate disruption now globally. We, we're seeing what 1.2 degrees looks like, and uh, you know, we're currently on track for 2.7, which would be just just monstrous. Uh, yeah, we don't have time, and politicians are just paying lip service to the problem with the pronouncements and the fine war and and the complete disconnect of like, than what's happening here in Britain really with the new coal mine, the third runway at Heathrow, the 20 billion road building program, the billions being invested in the North Sea right now to get more oil and gas out that we can't afford to burn. This actual carbon tax on green energy in our country, we pay that, Ecotricity does, but if, if we were a big user of fossil fuels, we would be exempt. You know, these crazinesses, if they were serious, but instead we just get lots of big dates to the decades in the future. Uh, here's a question from Mark on Twitter. Any standout moments for you at COP? I mean, despite the areas that you're clearly and demonstrably disappointed by, uh, Dale, and it's completely understandable. Have there been moments when you thought, this is fantastic, what is happening here is there's something happening here. There's a, a, a seed of, of movement. Yeah, I mean, there's a great energy around the place. I'm not despondent if I sounded that or not. Um, there's a great energy, particularly at the fringe events. I mean, you know, there was a great vegan fringe event last night. Chris Packham was speaking, and the room was full of really passionate people, uh, and all of that's good. But you know, one of my uh, amusing standout moments was being pulled by the cops at COP. So I'm like, minding my own business, uh, making my way back to where I'm staying, and uh, and I couldn't decide whether to go left or right. This apparently was a crucial decision I made because the cops were watching me, these plain clothes dudes, and um, I decided to go right, and I walked down the road and. and Next thing I know, there's blokes on my shoulder going, uh, all right, mate. And I'm like, yeah. And then he flashes a badge and uh, and then he puts on a yellow baseball cap. He replaces his Sydney one with a, with a police one. And then his, um, his mate's on my shoulder showing me his ID as well. And uh, and then, you know, I got like a question and answer session about, you know, where I'd come from, where I was going, where I lived. You know, I had to produce my passport for ID and answer just a shitload of questions. It was quite funny. The final question was like, you know, are you um, – uh, you're staying, you know, for the, for a week or, or the two weeks. And I said, well, I, I live my life like you saw me make my decisions for which way to go. I, I just haven't decided. <laughs> and they looked at me like, yeah. like who was I? But they, they wouldn't have been on climate events here, protesting and that kind of stuff. And it was, but it was they were nice and it was amusing to me. It, it kind of uh, it made me smile. But, but they were, um, yeah, they they clearly spotted me and thought, you know, this guy's this guy's potentially a troublemaker. They, they were just listeners to the podcast who clearly wanted a moment. To meet the name. By the way, you went right instead of left. You, you learned that lesson years ago that you shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was so funny. Blimey, how many people in the world today just like make decisions like that? Should I go this way? Nah, I'm going to go that yeah, way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Next thing you know, plainclothes cops are going to say, What are you doing? You look dodgy. <laughs> it works. It's the, the, the ultimate sliding doors moment, isn't it? Um, let's just take a moment to look at our own prime minister because the world leaders didn't stay there for the whole week. They legged it after day two, which I always find slightly extraordinary. Biden back to the States looking very tired and weary. Boris Johnson takes a private jet 
back to London so that he can go to a private members club for pheasant and claret with the Daily Telegraph. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we knew he was flying back by private jet. That much was announced earlier in the week. But uh, yeah, what can you say? It's just another one of those massive contradictions. Here we are, host nation. I mean, Johnson, just a couple of days ago, was berating the whole world about the fact that, you know, if the actions don't match up to the words, then it's pointless. And then same day it was announced he was flying back to London in a private jet. You know, classic example of, of this hypocrisy, I guess, ultimately, from world leaders, particularly our leader, banging on and, and trying to claim this leadership mantle for the world and berating the whole world to come together and solve this problem, and then jumps on this private jet and fucks off back to London. It's not like, coming, man. Kind of strange, isn't it? Bit strange. Uh, Vicky says, uh, we own a small organic farm in Worcestershire. Would love to get one of your small wind turbines. Why on earth is it still almost impossible for us to get advice or help from the local council about planning and getting one installed? So far, we've essentially been told, don't bother. What sort of advice is there <laughs> in a climate crisis? Fair question. This, this, is, uh, this is the kind of advice you get when you have a Tory government in charge of fighting the climate crisis. Basically, it's just like, just don't bother. I mean, this is the government that banned onshore wind. Was it five, six years ago? I'm not really sure now. Uh, and, and made it really difficult for onshore solar and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it is a fact. It's very hard to build onshore wind today in, in Britain. I mean, the only possibility is a small one, like the one that... Uh, being talked about, uh, you know, Britwind 15 or 5 kilowatt machine. And local councils can give permission for those. They are able to. So, um, you know, if I was being asked for advice, I'd say don't don't listen, don't be put off by the don't bother advice. Um, you know, go for it. Have a go. Just a couple of quickies to finish on, Dale. Deliveroo says vegan food orders are up 105% year on year. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I have to say there's a whole ton of vegan places here in Glasgow. It's pretty amazing. Good news. Good news all around. Yeah. And tell us about Dale's EcoBot. Oh, yeah, the EcoBot. <laughs> yeah, so this is a project that started when uh, I read somewhere in the news about how 30% of all climate denial stuff on the internet was actually posted by bots. And I thought, well, you know, why can't we create a bot army to uh, do the opposite, you know, engage with the denial army of bots and, you know, have a bot battle on the internet. That was my crazy idea. <laughs> and I had a, had a chat to... Uh, to Rob Del Nair, who's uh, you know, guy we work with on football and some other stuff, uh, a guy from Massive Attack, because I thought uh, you know he'd know how to go about it, and yeah, he knew another guy called uh, Bill Posters, who's pretty deeply into this kind of stuff, and together we collaborated on this project, and it turned out uh, that it wasn't climate denial that was the big issue, but greenwashing on social media, and so the EcoBotNet, um, which is which is worth taking a look at, it's eco-bot.net, the uh, the URL. Um, is is a yeah, piece of software, I guess, that scrapes the internet, scours the internet for greenwashing adverts. And uh, I mean, just during COP, it's flagged a hundred significant uh, pieces of greenwash on the internet. And um, yeah, so that's uh, that's our latest thing, which is a bit of fun. And, and also, I mean, I think really practical. You know, I've been asked about greenwash before, and I have to say, there's a part of me thinks it's actually not a problem. It's a sign of our success. You know, if people need to pretend to be green. Then it means we've achieved something because they know that uh, actually, yeah, they need to they need to be green or pretend to be green. Yeah, and this, you know, and as long as we keep calling it out and seeing it for what it is, then it's actually not a, it's a symptom of our success. You know, but the eco botnet uh, can uh, can help us call that out. You know, or twenty four seven, this thing is working away finding bullshit on the internet. 
you have to, yeah, you have to kind of assume as well, as you say, that if somebody is kind of pretending to be green, then that's the first step to being green. So there is kind of a, right. uh, <laughs> at least, at least they want to be seen to be green and maybe ultimately they will be green as well. Uh, listen, Dale, how long have you got left in Glasgow? Yeah. Like, like I told the cops, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave when it's not fun anymore, or when it's not productive anymore, and I don't know when that'll be. We've got an FA Cup game on Sunday. FTR. Oh, yeah, Peter on Facebook says, "Will we see you there?" Yeah, I'm kind of like I'm talking about that as well. So I mean, it's possible. Uh, so yeah, it's just possible. I don't know at the moment. I'm uh, I'm not making a lot of big decisions like that. Just uh, just mm-hmm. bouncing around from from gig to gig. Yeah, will you be coming back in your helicopter? <laughs> Absolutely, you know I will. <laughs> <laughs> Burning coal. Yes, yeah, throwing bags of coal out of the chopper to a grateful nation below. Uh, Dale, enjoy the rest of it and we'll speak next week. Yeah, thanks, Ian. See you later. Yeah, ma'am. Uh, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow the podcast from your podcast provider. That means, of course, you get each new episode automatically. Really important to leave a review there as well. Please follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince and facebook.com slash delvins and we're back in a week with the the autopsy if you like of more from cop 26 zero carbon east off